Let's go together to the book of Acts, chapter number 27. I want to read a few verses uh, beginning at verse number 42. Acts, chapter 27, read a few verses beginning at verse number 42. Hey, y'all see me drinking water? I, I've been, my, uh, my, vocal, my vocal health coach has been on me, so I'll I be drinking my water now when I'm speaking. <laughs> she said, you got to hydrate. Somebody put hydrate in the chat. Somebody say hydrate in the room. So if you notice, past couple of weeks, I've been pausing, drinking my water. Somebody say you proud of me. Come on, tell me you proud of me. <laughs> Somebody's like, what is wrong with that pastor? Uh, Acts chapter number 27, verse 42 says this. The soldiers plan to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were there to get on planks or on other pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached the land safely. Uh, the clause of concern is found in verse 44. I want to read it one more time for your mind. The rest were to get there on planks or on other pieces of the ship. I want to talk from this subject in our time together today, surviving shipwrecks. Surviving shipwrecks. Family, on last week, we started a series of sermons from the series subject, Detours. And we adamantly asserted in last week's lesson that we cannot have a conversation about destiny without having a conversation about detours. We attempted to articulate that detours are not in the way of our destiny, but rather that detours are the way to our destiny. We attempted to suggest, hopefully, sagaciously, that this, that detours do not cost us time. But in actuality, detours save us time. And if we don't believe detours save us time, the next time you see a detour sign, just run through it. And you will see that what the sign is protecting you from will cost you much more than the detour you experience. In other words, family, if we are going to achieve and accomplish God's ultimate intention for our life, that's destiny. If you are going to make our difference. You see, you can make a difference, but making a difference doesn't mean you've made your difference. You only reach destiny when you make your difference. And if I'm going to make my difference, if you're going to make your difference, the only way we're going to get there is if we properly manage detours. And this text we just read here in the book of Acts is a textbook of sorts to aid and assist us in managing a certain type of detour. Here it is for my note takers. I want you to write this down. This text teaches you and me that sometimes detours show up looking like shipwrecks. <laughs> I'm going to say that one more time, that sometimes detours show up looking like shipwrecks. There's what, 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 what do you mean? What do, I'm simply suggesting, family, that watch this. The ship, when I say shipwrecks, the ship represents the thing you think and the thing most people think you have to have to get to where you're trying to go. We all have expectations 
about a destination we're trying to go to, but we have also made assumptions about the mode of transportation God's going to use to get us there. The ship represents the thing you think you have to have to get to where you're trying to go. And what do you do when the thing you think you have to have to get you to where you're trying to go is a thing that falls into pieces? Shipwreck, relationship, friendship, partnerships can all fall apart. And if your confidence is in the ship and not in the Savior, you will make the assumption that you cannot get to the destination because something's happened to your transportation. And I am telling you that there are sometimes God allows something to happen with the transportation to give you a revelation that you got your faith in the wrong thing because your ship and your savior cannot be sovereign at the same time. And God's like, am I going to get you there or the relationship? Am I going to get you there or the friendship? Am I going to get you there or the partner? Well, if you believe I can get you there when the ship falls apart, I'll get you there floating on broken pieces. When the ship falls apart, I'll find a way to get you to where you need to be. And I need to pause and look right in this camera and get right into somebody business right now and let you know that God never strips away from you something in your present that you need for your future. The word says he'll supply all of your needs. And if he strips it away in the present, it's because he's got another way that he's going to use in the future. And many people end up panicking, acting impulsively because they've confused the transportation with the destination. Sometimes the ships you own wreck. And the text teaches us how to survive. Shipwreck and see, see, the text shows us we're about to look at this how to survive it physically, but most of our shipwrecks happen emotionally. Did you hear what I just said? Do you know most people, you know, when you look at most relationships in your past, you survive physically, but I want to know did you, did you survive emotionally? Did your trust survive? Did your faith in people survive? Did your belief that there are good people in the world survive? Did you hear what I just said? Yes, shipwreck not only affects us emotionally, but it can affect us spiritually. And this text, family, is, is, is tailored to teach us this. What's happening in this text is really simple. The Apostle Paul has been wrongfully imprisoning, imprisoned for preaching the gospel. And he's being transported to Italy, Rome, for trial. Would you catch this? He's being transported by a ship. As they're preparing to sail, Paul warns them, it's not safe to sail. Y'all missed that already. He says, watch this, Acts 27, verse 9. Watch what he says. He says, much time had been lost. Sex says much time had been lost. They had already become dangerous because now it was the day after atonement. So Paul warned them. He said, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to the ship and to our lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, are y'all here? Followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Y'all missed it. So Paul tells them it's not a good time for us to sail. The centurion, which is a, a Roman military official who oversees at least 100 soldiers, does not listen to Paul because Paul is a tent maker. And if you're a tent maker, what do you know about ships? So the text says he didn't listen to the tent maker. He listened to the pilot who had experience on the sea. He listened to the pilot who was the owner of the ship, who had experience with the ship. Y'all, don't, don't miss this. Don't miss this. 
So they end up suffering unnecessary inconvenience because they listen to a supposed expert. Oh my. Because they consider the source of wisdom more, than, more important than wisdom itself. And wise people recognize wisdom regardless of the source. Did you hear what I just said? Naaman would have stayed afflicted with leprosy if he had made assumptions about the source. Because it was a little slave girl that advised him that there's a man in Israel that can heal you of your leprosy. Once he got to see the prophet and he was instructed to dip in the Jordan seven times. He was in his feelings. He was upset until one of his assistants said to him, now, master, if he had told you to do a hard thing, you would have done it. He said, why don't you just dip so that you can get better? But Naaman would have missed out on his healing if he had made assumptions about the source. And some of us end up shipwrecked because you think you can choose who God used to guide you. Did you hear what I just said? I said, I said, we don't get to pick who God uses to advise us. And we need to adopt the attitude and the mentality that says, Lord, any way you bless me, I'll be satisfied. I just need you to give me the right direction. I'm not attached to personality. I'm not attached to position. I've lived my life long enough to know I ain't trying to keep doing do-overs. Lord, show me the right way the first time. I don't have, uh, uh, where's my church? I don't have that time to waste. I need wisdom. Paul says, guys, I don't think this is this, this not the right time to sell. But they were so anxious to get to Italy. Are y'all ready for this? They valued fast over right. I'm going to say that one more time. I said they were so anxious to get to Italy, they valued being fast over being right. And how many times have we ran into storms? Because we valued being fast over being right. Did you hear what I just said, family? So they ignore Paul's advice. Don't miss this. They ignore Paul's advice. And they submit themselves to the wisdom of the pilot. And notice what happens next in the text. They run into a storm. They took such a beating that they had to throw the cargo overboard. This is something. This is so watch this. Y'all ready? I guess. They lost the cargo before they lost the ship. Cargo. <laughs> cargo. Cargo. Cargo represents their valuables, right? They lost their cargo before they lost the ship. And that's what storms will do. The truth about storms is storms don't always sink your ship first. But sometimes they take the cargo. Did you hear what I just said? Before the relationship sinks, some cargo's taken. Before the, <laughs> before the partnership sinks, some cargo's taken. Trust is taken. Belief is taken. Hope is taken. Optimism is taken. Then the ship sinks. Don't miss this. So then, in the middle of a storm, having to throw cargo over, and I love what Paul says. Paul says in verse 21, he says, after they'd gone a long time without food, because they had to throw it over, Paul stood up before them. And said, man, you should have taken my advice and not sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves in this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. 
last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and to whom I serve stood beside me and said, don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you all the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, man, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Now, if we was in church, I would have had a runner right there. Yes, sir. He said, he said, I believe it's going to happen just like he told me. The word he the word he gave me after the storm, before the storm, is the word I'm holding on to in the middle of the storm. And what some people end up doing is they get a word before the storm, and then in the middle of the storm, they let go of the word. But Paul says in the middle of the storm, I know what he told me before the storm, and I'm holding on to that because it will be just like he told me. I love this. Paul reminds them, now this could have been avoided. But he reminds them of that not to rub it in, but to reestablish the credibility of his wisdom. He's not doing it, I told you so. He's saying, listen, you didn't listen to me then. I'm getting ready to give you another set of instructions. So I need to reestablish my credibility here. Now watch this. He says, now you didn't listen. I love this. But he doesn't live. Paul, he just makes that statement, but he doesn't live there. He doesn't stay there. He just says, now y'all didn't listen. This could have been avoided. But in the midst of their crisis, he shows us that you can keep revisiting what you could have done differently in the past, or you can reimagine what you can do differently now in the future. Huh. Did, did y'all catch that? He says, now we could have avoided this, but we didn't. So we got two options. We can sit here sinking, reflecting on what we should have done differently in the past. We can sit here beating ourselves up for making decisions that we made in the past. Or we can recognize that if I'm still alive, God's given me an opportunity to change the only thing I can change, and that is my future. And there are some of you that could be redesigning your future, but you aren't because you keep reliving your past. And God's like, if you just get out of that and let me show you what I'm getting ready to do, you will be able to redesign your future instead of continuously revisiting what you can't revise. And I came to tell somebody, shoulda, coulda, woulda is not going to get you anywhere. At this point, you got to realize that we serve a God who will give you advice on the shore. And even when you ignore it, you get in a storm on the sea and he'll meet you in the middle of the storm and say even though you didn't listen to what I said on the shore I'm getting ready to give you a word in the middle of the sea to get you to where you're supposed to be and I don't know who this is for but I know there are some people who always do exactly what God says and you always follow wise counsel and you never ignore wise and godly instruction but for the rest of us who have sometimes ignored wise counsel, not followed through on godly instruction, and found ourselves in a storm, thank God that this instance is an example of the gospel in action where God gets humanity out of a predicament that humanity got itself into. That's the gospel, ladies and gentlemen. Adam got us in it, but Jesus got us out of it. Because God specializes in you getting yourself into something and him getting you out. Is there anybody here that can look back over your life and say, God got me stuff out of stuff, not that the devil put me in, but that I put myself in. I'm drinking my water. Are you here? I said, are you here? 
I love this. So the storm is beating against the ship. Some men get nervous and start trying to let down a lifeboat so they can get out. And Paul told him, he said, all right, you need to stay with this ship because that lifeboat can't handle the rigor of those waves. Watch this. I, I don't know if y'all ready for this, but I'm going to just throw it out there just in case there's 17 and a half of you that are ready. Here it is. Paul said, stay with the ship. Cut the lifeboat. Stay with the ship. Cut the lifeboat. Because sometimes to get where you're going, you must resist the temptation to keep holding on to options that God's not going to use. Because the options make you feel comfortable. And what the options are giving you is a false sense of safety. You didn't hear what I just said. I said what the options are giving you is a false sense of safety. Not realizing that boat can't handle them waves. Did you hear what I just said? That thing you think is going to keep you, it's not, keep, it's not going to keep you. God's like, the best option is always the option I give you. And I give you that option because that's your best one. But the, the lifeboat gives you the semblance of safety. I'm not going to bother this, but just a little bit. <laughs> Is your lifeboat in the way of you changing something in your life? Because some of us Some of us carry lifeboats for legitimate reasons. I mean, lifeboats are on boats for reasons. So the desire to have a lifeboat is not in and of itself evil or illogical. Got me? But lifeboats don't work for every storm. The lifeboats that they had on those ships were designed to help them in the event that there was a problem with the ship, not a problem on the sea. So the problem in with the lifeboats, the problem is you can't use the lifeboat for, lifeboat for everything. And somebody, I, I feel this one, somebody got burned so bad in the past that now you trust your lifeboat more than your lifeline you made a vow and a promise to yourself in your pain that you will never be without a lifeboat again not realizing that there are some things God's going to call you to go all in on and that's the reason some of you aren't where you could be because you ain't all in. You didn't hear what I just said. See, many of you hear me tell my story about when I went to seminary over law school. But what you don't know is I could have went to both at the same time. That there were programs at Emory and there was a program at Duke where I could have got a JD and an MDiv in a five-year period. So I could have got them both. That's a lifeboat. But God asks, God's, God asks me, are you giving me a yes or a maybe? And if you're giving me a yes, I need all in. Did you hear what I just said? And for some of you, God's calling you to an all in. You're not all in. You're too divided. You ain't thrown yourself fully. 
at a thing. For 20 years, I threw myself at a thing. I went all in. As my mentor says, it has to work or it has to work. Paul said, cut them life bolts. Because <laughs> they're not even going to work. Go and get out there if you want to. He said, they weren't designed for sea like this. If this ship can't handle the storm, what make you think that lifeboat can? <laughs> Hallelujah. Boy, I feel like, <laughs> Lord, <laughs> all right. <wait. laughs> Text says, I love this. I love this. I love this. All right. So, Bible says, the storm begins to beat upon the ship so much that it breaks into pieces. So the men who stayed with the ship, some of them were able to swim, but the text says others floated to shore with pieces of the ship. God said, I'm going to get you to shore with a piece of it. He said, not only do you not need what you need, think you need to get to where I'm taking you, you also don't need all that you think you need to get to where I'm, I get you there on a plank. I'll get you there on a piece. You think you need 12 relationships. I'll give you one. <laughs> I'll get you there. I'll get you there on a piece. So watch this now. Y'all follow me? They're, they were intending to go to Italy, but they end up on this island called Malta. It's a detour. They were trying to go to Italy. They end up at Malta. Somebody say detour. detour. All right, here it is. Here it is. So they get to Malta. Remember, they hadn't eaten. They're cold. They're wet. So what do they do? They get to shore. And Paul started fire. And the Bible says when he starts a fire, the heat drives out a snake that bites him. I know Paul's like, now Jesus, I survived the shipwreck to get to shore just to be bitten by a snake that only showed up because the heat drove him out. Because heat drives out the snake in people. If you really want to see what if you really want to see what's in there, turn the heat up. Heat's a metaphor for conflict and for tension and for trials and heat draws the snake out of people and the bible says that this snake fastened onto Paul's hand and Paul didn't just let it stay there the bible says he shook it back off into the fire and there're going to be times where things are going to bite us unexpectedly on detours and we have a choice are we going to let it stay there or are we going to shake it off what do you mean not just y'all got to catch this the bible says the, the indigenous people there knew what kind of snake that was. And they watched Paul because they expected him, the text says, to swell up and die. They expected him to get swole. Because that's what happened when some people get bit. They get swole. They get mad. They get upset. And the Bible says, Paul shook that snake off. Don't miss this. <laughs> because Paul understood something. Snake bites do not kill you. No one has ever died from a snake bite. Are you confused? That's good. I'm just, it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, you know... Pastor Darius, I'll be listening to you and everything, and I, but what do you mean? No, no one has ever died from a snake bite. June, they've only died from the poison. The poison. 
the bite doesn't kill you. The venom and the poison that remains in your system after the bite is what kills you. And that's what the devil is trying to use bites for. He's trying to use bites to input to inflict venom into your system because he knows what they said won't kill you, but the venom will. The breakup won't kill you, but the venom will. The disappointment won't kill you, but the venom will. And he wants the venom to stay in your system. And the longer you allow the snake's fangs to be fastened onto your flesh, the more venom the snake is able to pump into your system and it's time for you to shake it off I don't care if they in your house you can't keep pumping this venom into my system you can't keep sending this negativity into my life I gotta shake this off some of you are holding on to snakes Asking them to behave in a way that ain't even in their nature. You asking a snake to not bite you. That's not in his nature. But that's my friend. It's still not in their nature. Friendship doesn't change creation. See, y'all, y'all got to see this. I'm not even going to bother. See, does that make sense? Yeah, I can be friends with my dog, but that don't make it a human. It is what it is. And your friendship doesn't change the nature of a thing. I'm waiting on people in relationships to get that revelation. Your love doesn't change their nature. Let me move. Let me. Watch this. They expected... <laughs> Paul to swell up and die. I, I want you to see this. I'm like, so I'm reading this story. I'm like, this just seems like a whole lot of bad luck. Why do they, I know they, they try, God, you're trying to get Paul to run. Like, but why is all this happening? I'm not going to bother this. Because the indigenous people there see Paul survive, and they try to make him a god. But he won't let them. They try to make him a God. He won't let him. He understands something that I think is important for us to understand. He's like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want you to make me a God because I don't want to take glory from the real God. But then two, I'm not going to live underneath the pressure of your expectations for me to repeatedly perform something that ain't in my nature. Did you hear what I just said? Because we live in an era where people want the prominence without the pressure. Paul said, I mm -mm. I'm good. Nobody can handle that, <laughs> that kind of pressure but God. So watch what happens, guys. Acts 28 says this. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever, and Paul went to see him and after prayer laid hands on him and healed him. When this happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. Are y'all here? I'm going to read it again. The chief official of the island had a father that was sick. He got healed. When people on the island heard about it, everybody that was sick came to Paul, and they got healed. I'm not going to bother this, but the Bible clearly says with the official's father, Paul laid his hands on him and healed him. <laughs> text says he placed his hands plural on him and healed him you, okay he placed his hands both of them on the man and the man got healed which means 
one of the hands he put on the man is one of the ones that got bit. Because the devil bites you in the area. God wants to use you the most. <laughs> he tries to hurt you in the area that God wants to use to heal others. So if your heart is essential to what God wants to do in your life, he's going to bite your heart. And if your gift is essential to what God wants to do in your life, he's going to cause pain in the area of your gift because he hurts you in the area God wants to use to heal others. I'm going to wrap this up because... But these people never get healed if Paul is never seen as a God. If Paul is never seen as a God if Paul doesn't shake off a snake. Paul never shakes off a snake if Paul wasn't bit by a snake. Paul wouldn't be bit by a snake if Paul hadn't started that fire. Paul wouldn't have started that fire if Paul hadn't been on Malta. Paul wouldn't have been on Malta if Paul hadn't have been on the sea. Paul would have been on the sea unless Paul, because Paul got falsely accused and imprisoned. Maybe God used all of that to say while you're on your way to your destination, I'm going to give you a brief vacation at a place called Malta so you can reach some people that need to be reached while you're on your way to where you're supposed to go. And some of you are missing ministry at Malta because Italy is the only thing that's on your mind. Did you hear what I just said? I said some of us are missing ministry at Malta because Italy is the only thing that's on our mind. We're just thinking about where we're going and what we're going to do when we get there and how God's going to use me when I get there. And God's like, I got some stuff for you to do on the way. And that's not all the text says. I'm done. I'm done. The text says, many people got cured. Watch verse 10. It says, they honored us in many ways. Y'all not ready for this. And when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies we needed. Did you hear what I just said? See, not only, when I don't watch this, not only did, man, did Malta give them an opportunity to minister, Malta was also the place that God used to minister to them. It's some supplies you don't get when you don't go by Malta. So God's like Malta, I'm done, which represents detours. It's something that I use not only just to bless others. It's something I use to supply you. Because sometimes you're like, God, why don't you just take me straight to Italy? It's like you needed to go to Malta. Because there are some people there you needed to bless. But I was also positioning you to be around some people that will bless you. To give you some su supplies that you'll need for the next leg of your journey. And I don't know who this is for, but somebody, you feel like you're destined for Italy, but you're stuck on Malta. I want to encourage you. There's a ministry for Malta. God knows what he's doing. He knows where to put you. And when to put you there. 
Dr. Darius, what are some things practically that you would encourage me with, that you would tell me to do while I'm in this space? I feel like maybe I'm going through a little shipwreck. I feel like, Dr. Darius, the, the thing I've, thing that I believe was going to take me from one place to another, it kind of fell apart. And I'm not sure what to do in the meantime. See, because it's something y'all, I think it's something y'all missed. Uh, and I want to make sure you don't miss it. Paul, they didn't have a ship. Because that ship was destroyed. So when the text says they gave them supplies, the insinuation is they had to also give them another ship. And when you read the rest of the story, I'm not even going to bother this. When you read the rest of the story, you see that they did give them a ship, but they were idolatrous. So the ship that they gave them had like two gods, uh, the image of two gods on the ship. Because God said, you don't, I'll take what the enemy meant for evil and I'll use it for good. He said, I'll use all kinds of stuff to get you where you need to be. Some people would miss, I ain't getting on this ship. Ain't no cross on this ship. Look at them gods down this ship. Some of you feel like, man, my, my ship is falling apart and I ain't got my other one yet. I, I don't know how I'm going to get to where I'm going. Dr. Darius, what are some things you can share with me to help me? Here are three really quickly I see in the text. Here's the first one. Stay calm. Somebody put that in the chat. Stay calm. Say it in the room. Stay calm. Stay calm. That seems so simple, but it's so profound. Because when I looked at the text, what did Paul say multiple times? Keep up your courage. Keep up your courage. Keep up your courage. Stay calm. Don't panic. Don't, don't allow yourself to emotionally spiral. Are you here? He's telling them, all right, don't allow yourself to emotionally spiral. Keep up your courage. Stay calm. Don't miss this. This is because when you allow yourself to go on that downward emotional spiral, that spiral will cause you or provoke you to behave in ways that will destroy you in a way that the storm can't. God's like, I got the storm. No weapon formed against you will prosper. I got the storm. The, the, you, don't worry about that. But I'm just trying, the storm's not going to do it. I'm just trying to keep you from doing it to yourself. Storm's not going to destroy you. I just don't want you to destroy you. Because you're going in an emotional spiral. So Dr. Darius, practically, what does that mean? How, how do I do that? It's really simple, guys. How do I keep up my courage? You identify the things that actually give it to you. And you plug into those things. So if you're in a season right now where your ship is falling apart and you're struggling daily to stay calm, you need to be feeding your courage daily. Does that make sense? It means that you can't just fuel your faith on Sunday when your ship's falling apart on Monday. You're not in that season where you can be sporadic. We could argue that you should always be doing it regularly for maintenance, but definitely when you are in seasons where things are falling apart and faith is required, then every day has to be a day where you plug in differently. Paul told him, keep up your courage. Here's the second thing. Secure a flotation device. Sometimes we're drowning because we have nothing to hold on to. And remember, Paul wasn't just holding on to wood. Paul was holding on to a word. Last night, the angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. God has graciously given you all the lives of those who sail with you. So keep up your courage, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. He wasn't just holding on to wood. He was holding on to a word. So here's my question to you. 
How long are you willing to hold on? If I were you, I'd hold on till I die. If I got a word from God, I'm going to hold on till I die. Paul said it will be just like he told me. That's your flotation device. Your friend can't help you float. They can be a good distraction for the length of the conversation. But after that conversation's over, they can't help you float. Only that word from God. This is why we push things like so much. And I know y'all think we just be trying to fill classes. But this is why we push things like Pathway to Purpose, which is our new version of Change Track. Because we're trying to get you in the place in the space where you actually know how to hear and discern if what you're hearing is actually God. That's like kind of basic training. Does that make sense, guys? It's like, it, you know, I, I can tell you hold on to a word, but that's going to be impossible for you to do if you don't know how to get one. And so those other avenues that we have as a part of our church are designed to help you perfect that. To help you put what you're hearing through a filter. Is this me or is this God? There's a a filter that you use. You take it through the filter of the word of God. Meaning, is what I'm hearing in any way contradictory to God's word? If it is, it's not God. Are you here? That's what... When the Bible says, can I just explain this? Y'all all right? When the Bible says, Hebrews 4, the word of God is powerful and quick, sharpening any two-edged sword, piercing even to the divining of the sunder, the soul, and the spirit. It said that the soul, your feelings, and your spirit, your spirit man or spirit woman, are so intertwined that sometimes you confuse one for the other. And sometimes the only thing that can tell if this your emotions of God is the word. You cannot go on how strong you feel it. How many people have we felt strongly about that were, that were sent by Satan? I was going to say something more politically correct, but think about that. So it says sometimes my feelings and my spirit, they are so intertwined and I feel it so strong that the only thing that can distinguish it is the word. So I got to take what am I feeling? Now does it put it through the filter of the word and that determines whether it's God or not regardless of what I feel. I feel it in my heart, Pastor Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful. Who can know it? Secure flotation device. Hold on to the word. Put what you're feeling through the filter of God's word. Is this unbiblical? Here's the second one. Let me just give you another. Is it unwise? When God does not give me a word, the answer is wisdom. When I don't get a rhema word, when God doesn't speak to my heart, what should I do? You make the wise choice. That's the book. Wisdom is the what? Principal thing. Principal means first. That's the first thing. What should I do? If I don't have a word, use wisdom. Let me stop. This is not about... Yeah, I don't even know how long I've been up. All right, here it is. Number three. So number one, stay calm. Number two, secure flotation device. Number three, shake off snakes on the shore. Guys, he had to think the shore was safe. After... <laughs> After all of that, he probably like, finally. Have you ever been one of those seasons where you're like, finally, then here come a snake? You're like, Lord Jesus. (laughs) And even when you get to your Malta and even when you get to, you're going to have to deal with shakes on the shore. So you need to develop the skill of shaking it off. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? It's a skill. Okay, watch this. 
I told y'all this before, I'm going to say it again. If you're going to be used by God, you must understand you are going to be used by people. You can be wise and you can minimize it, but you can't prevent it. You can't be used without being used. I was having a conversation with my coach this week and he said something so strong. I, I didn't know what to do. And he's like, it ain't church, so you can't quicken. You know what I mean? So you just kind of got to sit there. And here's his point. He was like, just because something's valuable doesn't mean people see its value. So you got to be willing to see yours when people don't. Am I making sense? So what does it mean? So I can become cynical. You can become cynical when, you, when you're used or unappreciated or undervalued. Or you can learn the skill of shaking snakes off on the shore. You have to accept this come with this. Y'all not. Let me, let me wrap up. This come with this. This comes with this. There are snakes on the shore. This comes with this. So I can complain about it or I can develop the skill of shaking them off. I know what to do when I get bit. And most people don't develop that skill. They just complain about and they talk about what's ideal but not real. These snakes, there shouldn't be no snakes here. People shouldn't be like snakes, and people need to be this, that, and the other. But you're still getting bit. You got to develop the skill of shaking it off, not letting the poison stay in you, bouncing back. So when people do certain things, is it going to hurt? Yes. But the stronger you get, the quicker you recover. Stuff now that take out your whole day, the stronger you get, it don't get to have your whole day. It gets to have 15 minutes. You shake it off and you say, I'm back. Come on. Paul shook it off with his hand. We shake it off in our heart. It used to take you out three days. I'm just speaking this over your life. No more. No more. Three days. You're not about to lose three days over things like this anymore. Because you didn't survive shipwreck just to be taken out on the shore. So I hope you receive this word. I want to pray over you all over this room that God would give you the grace to, to manage your shipwreck and your Malta. Father, I just thank you. I've articulated what you've given me to the best of my ability. I just pray that your Holy Spirit, who is the sealer, would seal the words that have been planted on the hearts of your people. Father, I pray for everybody that's in the middle of a shipwreck right now where things that they were depending on to transport them are falling apart. I thank you that even now you're reassuring them that you can get them to their destination even if you do it on broken pieces. I just give you praise for this and I pray right now for the comforting and the guiding and the governing ministry of your Holy Spirit to get people who are in the middle of the sea safely to shore. I pray this over their life in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Clap your hands in the studio. Come on. Drop some fire in that chat.